Today on the Callahan Podcast, well, uh, good news, Jerry Sandusky, you're off the hook. Good news, Larry Nassar, you're off the hook. We now know the darkest day in Big Ten sports history. It was yesterday when they decided they're not going to practice football anymore. They're not going to scrimmage. They're actually going to play. According to USA Today, according to Christine Brennan, that's the worst day in Big Ten history. We will talk about that. Plus, lots of American adults don't know what the Holocaust is. That sounds strange, and uh, I blame the teachers. I blame the public school teachers. Uh, Turtle Boy, former public school teacher, is here to uh, defend them, but he's not looking so good. Finally, remote learning has broken Turtle Boy. We'll let you hear that and uh, hear his side of it. It's a, it's a struggle. We'll get into all that on the Callahan Podcast today, brought to you by DCU, Digital Federal Credit Union. Why do DCU members love their free checking accounts? It's simple. No monthly maintenance fees, no minimum balances, no strings attached. What's better is that with direct deposit to their free checking account, DCU members could get paid up to two days early. Zero monthly maintenance fees, zero monthly balance, zero reasons not to switch. They'll even remove the hassle of switching your direct deposits and automatic payments from your current checking account. Learn more. And make the switch today at dcu.org slash free checking, insured by NCUA membership required. Okay, Kelly, let's do it. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. So I'm outside my uh, outside my building here in Boston, out in the driveway yesterday, saying hello, you know, reconnecting with the neighbors. People have been traveling, been away. And so I see my neighbor and we're talking, and his three-year-old son is uh, on his little uh bike with training wheels he looks at me and he gets scared and he says oh no uh, 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 and, and he starts pedaling away away and he's like nervous and scared and i'm looking at my friend and he's looking at his son he's what's the matter and he says uh, uh, jerry jerry he, he's no mask no mask my mask was around my neck i pulled it down to talk we're outside we're not we're more than six feet we're 10 12 feet apart and a three-year-old is afraid of me, like I'm a monster. And he's literally pointing at me and saying, he, he doesn't have his mask. He has his mask on. He's three. God knows. That's that's important. And his father tells me that that's everything now. Everything's about the virus coming to get them. Everything is about uh, masks and staying away from people. And, be, and, and, and he's frightened. He's three. So we've succeeded. The... Uh, you know, the, the media, the, the, the alarmists, the governor, the corona bros have succeeded in, in instilling fear and creating this monster, this boogeyman who's under the bed. I mean, three-year-old, three-year-old, and he's afraid the virus is going to get him and kill him. Yeah, but how and else I, do you train? Like, how do you, first of all, how do you train a three-year-old to wear a mask anyway? You probably just scare the shit out of him. So, you know, like, <laughs> my three-year-old he, he, would never thinks it's cool. He, he has no problem wearing the mask. He thinks it's cool. And Turtle yeah, Boy said the same thing. Yeah, my kids the same thing. The solar system but, but, ones, dinosaur but you know, ones. You know, as well as I do, it's an unnecessary. Three-year-olds don't need masks. It's just. Nobody needs uh, a mask. It's virtue signaling. It's a, uh, it's a way to control everybody. But I was wondering about that months ago. Like, will this? Will there be a generation? Hell, more than a generation of people of kids who grow who are have this fear that this deadly virus is lurking around every corner if they don't have a mask on and wash their hands and social distance. If they go to school, they might die. I mean, that's 
They're three, four, five. You have a five-year-old, correct? Yes, that's correct. Five-year-old. Does your five-year-old think that the 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 boogeyman is going to get him? No, because her father teaches her data. Data. Yeah, I mean, I tell her like you can't statistically, she can't die from coronavirus. It's impossible. So she, <laughs> she knows what that it. means statistically. Uh yeah, we use big words in this house, Jerry. This, is a, yeah. this is a cultured household. Yeah, but but so you have you combine this fear that the the virus is going to kill you with this fear that uh, I should say go to school. Fear that if you go to school, you know, other kids might die, you might die, teachers might die, so you stay home. Curled up in front of the uh, the computer, Zoom learning. What's going to do more damage? This 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 myth that a three year old's in danger of dying. In fact, his his I, I was talking to uh, his wife, my my neighbor, and they also have a one year old. One year old. They can't travel. They can't go on a plane because the one year old will want will not wear a mask, and you can't go on a plane with a one year old unless he wears a mask. So. <laughs> It is, it is, and I know it's people are kind of getting tired of this, but it's we've lost our friggin' minds. We've lost our minds where you can't take it, you can't go visit, you know, grandma uh, because you can't go on, you can't go to Disney because you can't go on a plane because a one year old won't wear a mask, even though there's absolutely no reason for a one year old to wear a mask. Nothing. I mean, uh, the mask thing doesn't nearly bother me quite as much. I mean, I hate the mask, don't get me wrong. But the fact that we are not back in school this week really hit me for the first time yesterday. It was the first day of remote learning, and it was a nightmare, an absolute – it was ten, a million times worse than I thought it would be. Really? No, no learning and no actual learning went on, huh? So, you, first of all, you have to sit there. You're basically a teacher's aide every five seconds. You got to get glue stick. You got to get paper, this and that. And, I mean, this the optics of a five-year-old sitting there staring at a freaking computer with all these screens. So you're in school, right? But what is school? You have conversations with kids, right? You make friends. That doesn't happen on Zoom. There's no relationships building between children. Like, what, what is the point of this? You're sitting on the computer. I'm honestly, I mean, I want to just homeschool. Every homeschool kid I've ever met, people say they're weird. Every homeschool kid I've ever met is normal. Right. And they like being homeschooled because they just work for like three hours a day. They cut out the fat then and the nonsense and the fillers. And then they just learn and they're wicked smart and everything's fine. It, it, it's, I know there's a big surge in homeschooling for obvious reasons. And you, we also have exposed teachers or teachers unions have been exposed in this during this pandemic because they don't want to go to work. They don't want to do their jobs. They want to keep the vacation going. The L, head of the L.A. Uh, teachers union slipped up and said they got to keep it going till Election Day. We will not be back in school till Election Day. I'm sure... Everybody in your school, every teacher, not every, you know, ninety percent of them feel the same way. Whatever they think, feel like, they're doing true. their part. I don't. They feel like true. they're doing their part to beat Trump. Keep it going till November third. See what happens. Yeah, I feel like the it's the people that run the union. I'm not convinced the majority of teachers want remote learning. Like the majority I've seen, you know, I come from a family of them. They're in chat rooms and stuff. Teachers all hate this. I think they're regretting it. I think they're regretting it. And I think their leadership hates Trump so much because right. that's all this is. If Donald Trump said tomorrow that he wants uh, schools to be closed, they'd want to open them. They will do whatever Trump, the opposite of what Trump does. Whatever Trump does is evil. They'll do the opposite. I, I wish he would just say that for a day and we'd be back. It'd be over. You're not, it, 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 you're not even uh, angry. You're, you sound like a broken man. You sound, I am you, a broken man. You I am sound, a broken man. You look broken. 
You look bad. What happened? You, you, this just... so I'm sitting there. I'm like, Chris, I'm trying to work. And it's painful to watch your five-year-old. You know, they're supposed to enjoy school and they're sitting there on the computer. And she didn't get called on once for three hours. She literally just sat there. She had a hand up sometimes. 90% of the time it's, you know, Joey, can you can you unmute your mic? Joey, I need you to unmute your mic. Joey, please, where'd you go? And it's like all the parents are sitting there hovering over their kids. It's not normal for a five-year-old to sit there for three hours. Well, why? What's the reason? We know five-year-olds don't get the virus. We know they don't give it. Even if you're a moron, even if you don't read a damn thing, you know this by now. So what's the reason a five-year-old has to be home and the teacher has to be? Is the teacher in school or is the teacher home? Uh, the teacher is, appears to be home. So why? I don't why? Really, what's the, I mean, do you ask why you're doing that? No, I don't ask why they're doing it. I mean, I, no. don't, I don't feel like picking a fight, Jerry, with my kids coming in. <laughs> why not? Them. As far as I know, Mike, you know, as far as I know, the individual teacher is, you know, against would would rather be in school. Like, I don't know that, but they don't have a a say in this. It's all just hysterics in the media and the the union. The union is a real problem. The union leaders. Have you seen this fruitcake who leads the the MTA in Massachusetts? Mary. Her name is Mary Chris, as in Mary Christmas. That's her. Not Mary. 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 And Mary is a radical Bernie bro lunatic. Uh, who is who completely failed as a teacher in Concord and is just a complete political activist now and is leading down teachers down a road of destruction. And I get emails and, and messages from teachers every day who want to be back in school, Jerry, every there's, day. There's a big story in the New York Post I'm looking at right now this morning saying remote learning is a disaster. And it's much the same. Uh, guys, people talking, parents talking about what you're talking about, how the kids don't, a five-year-old, six-year-old can't spend, you know, hours looking at a laptop. They just don't have the attention span. By the way, it's, does it's abuse. Daughter- That's like, this is child abuse. When she's sitting there crying, asking to go downstairs like multiple times, like, and I want to say like, yeah, you really should be able to, but now you need to sit here and stare at the freaking screen. And and the, the the teachers union like this Mary person. They don't care about the the long term effects of having no interaction, no real learning, no bonding, uh, and, and and the isolation is going to be much more devastating than any virus would have been. Even though we know the virus doesn't affect five year olds, yeah. six year olds, eight year olds, ten year olds, they, they have to continue with the myth, with the lie. Yeah. How long is it now? 48 more days, something like that. Yeah, 48, 48 days. days. Yeah. You know, can your daughter hold on for 48 more days till the teacher's okay. union accomplishes its goal of defeating we'll see what Trump? day two is like tomorrow. I mean, today. Well, I mean, they're going to go start it. My, my, you know, that's the other thing. I have to have my mother come over and help the kid get started with school because obviously, you know, like you can't be too, play- I'm not quitting everything I do to freaking be her freaking teacher, you know, I mean, do their job for them because they're still getting paid. They're, they don't have to quit anything. They work from home, whatever. Uh, and it just, it, it needs to, <laughs> I can't keep doing this. this and, and, I mean, it's every, every love. My son's in college and he hates it. He's sitting in his apartment yeah. in front of his computer when he could walk a couple hundred yards and be in the classroom. And, and there's no positive, no, no kids have t- tested positive, no teachers have tested positive, but they say no, because, because why? Because everyone's buying into the panic. At least they are in blue States. Um, and, and it, it, but it, here's, Here's what it seems like to me that it, it the more we learn, I've said it for months now, the more we learn, the more dishonest, you know, the anti-Trumpers, the Democrats, the liberals appear when they sit there and say, you know, we have to stay locked down. They know we don't. When they, they say kids are in danger, they know they're not. 
Um, yesterday, the big news in sports yesterday, as we talked about uh, and tweeted about, was uh, you know the Big Ten is coming back. The Big Ten is going to play football as well they should, like every other big conference. Now we know. Now we believe the Pac-12 is coming back too. The Pac-12 is going to start on Halloween. Oh, they Hall- are the Pac-12 too. Pac-12 Halloween is a month and a half. These teams have been practicing, all of them, Big Ten, Pac-12, Division Two, Three. I mean, kids are practicing, which is so bizarre to me. Think of, think of what you're asking them to do. They're practicing, you know, 100 kids, 110, 112, 120 kids on a, in a school. They're going to the locker room. They're gearing up. They're, you know, putting their pads on. They're going to practice. They're hitting each other. They're, you know, running around with each other. They're breathing on each other. 120 kids, but you can't go, you know, down the street. Like say in Worcester, say there's a Division Three team in Worcester. There's another Division Three team. They can practice, but they can't, you know, get on a bus, go a couple miles, and do it against another team. Because why? Because the, the virus might kill them. It's such a lie that I think people are seeing through it. They've seen the the testing. I don't know if you saw the testing in the NFL. Uh, Adam Schefter just tweeted about it. They tested, I forget the number, four thousand people last week and had no no positive yep. tests. College. Uh, NHL, NBA, it's working for every sport, and yet high school football in, in New England is still shut down. The the, uh, the Pac-12 just announced they're coming back on Halloween. The Big Ten's coming back, I believe, October 17th. A big win for Trump, a big loss for the Corona Bros and for the mainstream media. It was a tough week, tough week for the woke sports media, you know. That's because, that's because playing football is worse than 45 counts of sexual abuse. So convince me <laughs> other, try to convince I'm, me otherwise. I bet you can't I'm do just, it. I'm leading up to that. I'm building up to that, Cullen. And if you didn't know, I was building up to the big news of the day, which to me was not even controversial. Finally, the Big Ten, which is a very, you know, the, 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 the presidents, the superintendent, whatever they call them, deans, the athletic directors are a bunch of political hacks who, again, want to hurt Trump so they didn't play football like every other conference. Finally, under pressure from parents and players and Trump, they agreed to play. And on like on cue, the predictable wailing and whining from the woke sports media uh, was was instant. And the best one was from Christine Brennan. No shock. Christine Brennan's a ultra left winger who's been around forever. I think she was, uh, I don't even know, Washington Post. She's been everywhere. She's been with NPR. She's with the USA Today now. And USA Today, and yesterday she wrote a column. She's, by the way, she's on the board or she's a uh, uh, professor at Northwestern or something. Typical, you know, I mean, never written anything that anyone's ever read, but, you know, professor, cashing a check, like like half the ESPN you know, super liberals uh, on like around the horn work for different colleges, you know, adjunct professors. So, though, in, though in fairness, USA Today is like syndicated around the country in every friggin' newspaper, kind of like the Associated Press. So even though maybe nobody reads it, she's widely like that well, column read was everywhere. Yeah, that column was everywhere. Just, well, it, got a lot of, it got a lot of negative, angry retweets yesterday. Most people are going to hate read that. Yep. Yes, they hate read. Exactly. She gets occasionally, she gets hate read. Good point. And yesterday was the best example. This is probably the most widely read thing she's written because it was just so absurd. And the takeaway was this was the darkest day ever for the Big Ten. The worst day ever for the Big Ten. It became the SEC, she said. God forbid, the the best conference in the country, you become something like that. It's a bad thing. And when you you think about it, I mean, obviously, it's absurd on the note that they announced they're going to play again. 
They're practicing. They're scrimmaging. They're going to get together with another team and do that. And she thinks that's the darkest day in the history of the Big Ten. And immediately you got the Sandusky tweets saying, you know, we, we learned we learned that, you know, a coach at Penn State was raping children. We learned that an iconic head coach was enabling it, was allowing it. That was pretty dark. I don't know if you that recall. That was a big story when that, that was pretty dark. And then uh, not uh, <laughs> more recently, Larry Nasser at Michigan State uh, yeah. with uh, with the uh, gymnasts. We learned. We heard the testimony like, from the Penn first State lost their football team for like two years. That's true. They had to bring Bill O'Brien in to revive it from the dead. <laughs> That's right. They they suspended the program. Penn State suspended the program. One of the top schools. Uh, and she didn't just say football. She said Big Ten period. So you can include the the gymnastics. The, the, I mean, there's there's three or four sex scandals, rapists, you know, working for teams, including Sandusky, and somehow this authority on the Big Ten, who works for one of the Big Ten schools, who's on the board of trustees at one of the Big Ten schools, decides that allowing kids, you know, 19, 20-year-olds to play a sport is darker, is worse than a coach raping children in the freaking showers. Because they hate the South, Jerry. She specifically called out the right. SEC that we're becoming the SEC. Oh, no. Don't be, you know, don't become the conference that wins the national championship every year. Don't be that. That would be ho- horrible. We wouldn't want that. Now, would we? She writes uh, Wednesday, the darkest day in Big Ten sports history, the day the vaunted conference caved. It choked. It's, it got scared. It became the SEC. Just as the Big Ten was looking smarter by the day as COVID outbreaks popped up at Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Maryland, while other conferences playing football announced COVID-related postponements and soaring cases, the league's presidents reversed themselves and decided to steer, steer their schools and their football programs right into the teeth of what are predicted to be some of the worst days of the pandemic in October and November. I mean, this is just somebody who who does not want any good news, who is, I said this in April and I took a lot of crap. These people are rooting for the virus. They were rooting for the virus in April, in May, in June. They're rooting for the virus in September. And God knows they are rooting for the virus in October and November. That's what she wants. She, and she also rips them for having rapid testing for football players and not for other students or other people in the town. So um, they're taking these people precautions. They're money for the school. They, right. they shouldn't they, get special. Okay. Wait till she finds out about scholarships. They're not making money. They're making a fortune. They need this money. This is what. This is how like hacks like Christine Brennan get a paycheck from Northwestern. You know why, Christine? Because the football team brings in so much money they can afford to pay you for doing whatever the hell you do, Uh, but points out, you know, other students don't have the benefit. Football players get tested again. uh, And, and she points out what Ed Orgeron said, which was great. Ed Ed Orgeron, LSU coach said Tuesday, he said, I think most of our players have already had it. They're through with it. They're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. We got it out of our system. Our boys are good boys down in by you. Yeah. Well, but football. He didn't, he didn't mention he gave it to them on purpose. <laughs> oh, yeah, we get we don't get about coronavirus down here. We we you know, we eat gumbo and a stick. We don't give get crap about that. He said she says, I never would have expected the Big Ten presidents to be so shaky, so fearful, so afraid of their own shadow. I grew up in Big Ten country in Toledo, spent Saturdays at Michigan games. 
Uh, she went to Northwestern. She said she's very involved in NU to this day. She's a professor of practice at the School of Journalism, whatever the hell that means, professor of practice, and a member of Northwestern's 64-person board of trustees. Oh, and he's dead set. And, and of course, Northwestern, everybody agreed to play as well they should. It was strictly political when they weren't playing. We know Kevin Warren, the commissioner, is a big Democrat. We know most of the presidents are big Democrats and Trump haters. And most we of know the governors that. of those states. And, and I, I, you know what I was hoping for yesterday? I was hoping for Whitmer, the governor, that, 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 that oh, wretched woman. Funny. To say, uh, not so fast, uh, executive order, no um, no football. Wouldn't that have been wild? Well, yeah, I mean, she's a Michigan State fan. Do you think she wants football back? They suck. She's <laughs> like, why would you want to sit through that funeral? Have you? Is- she, got, she got so much ball back. Have you seen her respond to the ball back in any way? I, I just saw one tweet from her yesterday that acknowledged, obviously, the sex abuse scandals, but then kind of just said, no, this was about a sports, the sports worst day. You know, this wasn't Did about. Did you acknowledge yeah. that? Yeah, oh, the sport, but the sport, there was no sports yesterday. It was just a decision. How is this yeah. the worst day? But this person, I'll, I'll say that she's symbolic representative of the sports media. If you haven't, and I don't really watch all the shows on ESPN, haven't seen like Around the Horn or PTI, but I've heard, you know, Kornheiser on this. I've heard uh, Will Bunn, uh, I've followed guys on Twitter. They are so afraid that this will work, you know, and so far it has, so far. The NFL, college football so far has gone off virtually without a hitch. Uh, hell, this week in the NFL, they're more worried about smoke from wildfires affecting the game than they are afraid of the, the virus. But right now, on October 17th, or right now, Christine Brennan is sitting back saying, please, God, let there be a spike. Let there, let, let there be a big fat coach who gets it and is suddenly in a hospital on ventil, and we could say, you know, the, the football coaches killed him. That's what she wants. She wants the virus to be to derail the Big Ten, to ruin, you know, doesn't care about these kids, doesn't care about the players, doesn't care about the, the revenue. They live in this bubble, you know, this this bubble like, we'll just wait till the virus goes away. We'll just, just wait as these kids are, you know, seniors in high school, seniors in college, and, and you know, their whole their hopes and dreams are gone for politics, not for, you know, the virus, not for any prevention or public health reason, just for politics. Have you, but Jerry, have you ever heard an old person say, I want children to shut down their lives? That's so such that a I can good live. question. That is such a good question. I've never I once this, heard an old person say that. I had this fight with someone on Twitter a couple months ago because says, yeah, yeah, if, if your parents were still alive, you wouldn't say this. You want to bet if yeah. they, my parents were still alive, they'd be disgusted. They'd say, we're good. We're yeah. staying in. You know, yeah. we're not taking any chances. You go live your life. The idea yeah. that old people are that selfish, just the opposite. You're you're you so like, right. You they, think my they, seven-year-old father wants my five-year-old daughter not to go to kindergarten to, you know, so he doesn't get sick? No, of course not. Because you know why, Jerry? That would be incredibly selfish. But as usual, it's 40-year-old white liberal women speaking for everyone. They speak for black people. They speak for Latino people. And now they speak for old people. They are the official voice for everyone. You have to add a word there. Ill-informed or uninformed or ignorant. The, they, or dishonest. Again, I say it, you're either dumb or you're dishonest. If you think a five-year-old, if you think Turtle Boy's five-year-old, what, what, what's her name? Is it Turtle Girl? What's her They'll name? Call it Turtle Girl. 
Turtle Girl. If you think Turtle Girl should be curled up in front of a laptop right now instead of in a class, you know, goofing around with other five-year-olds, bonding, learning, having fun, running on the playground with other five-year-olds. If you think she belongs in front of a damn laptop, you're either dumb or you're dishonest. Those are the only two choices. You're dumb and you think somehow the virus is going to kill a five-year-old or you're dishonest and your only end game, your only goal is to defeat Trump. So this is part of the plan, you know, seed this, uh, sow the seeds of chaos and, 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 and hope that it, that it hurts, uh, Biden hurts Trump and helps Biden. I saw the most dishonest. I mean, this is saying a lot. I shouldn't say the most, one of the most dishonest, uh, commercials yesterday for Biden. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it's laugh out loud and it's, in it's dishonesty. It's about, schools being closed, you know, because of the virus. And it blames Trump. <laughs> Biden has a commercial saying that our kids are home, that closed, schools are closed, you know, we're all going to die. And I'm saying, wait a second. Trump says every day that he wants And that's school. the stuff that's pushing me over the edge right there. That's the shit that I see because I see, I go online and the, the official talking points of the left is if only Trump had, I, we'd love to be back in school. If only Trump had gotten the virus under control, we would be. This is all his fault. They're just doing that. It's like, first of all, it doesn't matter who was president. The virus was coming here, and we were the. I mean, we are fresh meat. This country, we are the fattest country in the world, and it's not even remotely close. Like it was a literal like coronavirus was salivating at the idea of coming to America. Like, oh my God, the land of the obese. We're gonna come there. We're gonna work our way through there real quick. And by the way, we still never ever hear from Fauci or Burks or any of these people about how to make your body less vulnerable to this virus. No, we're busy shutting down gyms and and not allowing people to play sports. Stay home, get fat, and uh, be careful, be safe. All right, today's episode brought to you by Flagship Wealth Management. Again, here with Dave McDonough. Dave, before we get into the Managing Your Money and Retirement Report that we've been giving away, I want to talk about the market just like we did last week. What's been going on? On this very podcast last week, we mentioned that the market is coming off a record August, something we haven't seen in 30 years. Well, we also set another record, Dave. From Wednesday until Tuesday, a record correction. NASDAQ, tech stocks, down 10% in three trading days, first time in history. That's the fear of missing out crowd, the people that are just buying tech stocks for the sake of buying tech stocks. All right. So you go to flagshipwealth.com slash retirement. You got that guy, Dave, once they get it, what do they do with it? Then they gather their statements. They take an inventory and then they realize that they have three 401ks in different spots. They have different beneficiaries. And again, with a market that sells off in 10 days, David, it's irresponsible not to take control. Absolutely. Flagshipwealth.com slash retirement. Go get managing your money in retirement. Dave McDonough, thank you for joining me. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. I have this, I've had the debate with Reamer. I've had the debate with other people and they think that, and, and, and polls show that the thing that hurts Trump the most is the virus, the coronavirus and the lockdowns. Well, no, they can't answer this. They can't answer this. And I've asked Reamer, what should he have done? It, it, this is indisputable, Turtleboy. It is indisputable that if Biden were president or Hillary were president, there would be more cases, more dead, bigger problem. Yeah. That I mean, uh, we know, and and I don't know if you've heard him mention this. He hasn't said much. He hasn't said it much. But Trump shut down travel from China. Yep, he did. I heard about that. It was xenophobic. He did. 
Yeah. He met, you mentioned that. I mean, get ready. Cause at the debates in, in the debate, September 29th, what's the date right now? September 7th in, in 12 days. Yeah. 12 days, we're going to see the most highly rated uh, presidential debate ever. And it'll probably be a letdown because I'm so excited to see it. But Trump will mention shutting down travel from China 5,000 times in that debate, like he hasn't mentioned already. Biden called it xenophobic and racist. And then he shut down. That was 10 days after the first case, the first case in this country. And then he shut down travel from Europe. And I don't know if you remember that, but that was more controversial because Lots of those rich white liberals you're talking about have their kids in school in Rome, you know, or in uh, you know, Paris, and their yeah. kids were stuck and scrambling to get home. So the that only, was a bigger deal. The only argument is that, like, what I think the only thing that they could possibly say is we would have locked down earlier. Like, that seems to be their only that's argument. That's a lie. You know that's not true. I, well, first of all, even if the truth would be worse, like that sounds awful. Like, Oh, so you would have taken away our freedoms earlier. Like what? And guess what? The lockdown would not, has not prevented anything. All these draconian things we did, did absolutely nothing to stop the spread. Nothing. It spread. Corona's coming for you, baby. It's good. Lockdown was less than two weeks after the first death. It was, I don't know if you remember, it seemed kind of rash, kind of draconian. And by the way, uh, that was kind of done on a local level. I don't know how, you know, the, what, what the president was supposed to do. Again, the travel ban, he, he took it more seriously than Biden or Hillary or any of, you know, or Nancy Pelosi was saying, come on down to Chinatown to eat. Uh, de Blasio was saying, come on down and, you know, don't worry about a thing. It's just that Cuomo was saying, it's just like the flu. Uh, you had that idiot health director in New York saying, come to the parade this week. They were holding parades and encouraging people to go to them while Trump was shutting down travel. So it's really dishonest to say it would have we would have been better off with a president Hillary or President Biden. It's just a lie. Well, the new lie they pull, and I see it on the news all the time. They say they always bring some doctor on because these people are freaking experts. People still trust them for some reason. They'll say, how many lives would be saved if Trump had done a mask mandate nationwide, which first of all, you can't do. Uh, and, and secondly, they're, they're always like, my model says 45,000. 45,000. They just throw a number out there. They make shit up. It's all made up. It's totally made up. And yesterday they got a little red meat from Redfield, the, the CDC director, that weirdo who said the mask is better at preventing the virus than the vaccine. Now, I'm no medical expert. You know, If I were, I'd been suspended from Twitter by now. But tell me this, how silly, how ridiculous, a vaccine prevents the virus, correct? A vaccine for whatever. Traditionally, prevents, yes. Prevents yes. polio, prevents whatever, smallpox. Correct. So if something prevents it, how can a mask that, you know, we, we don't know definitively if it stops it, prevents it 100%, how could that possibly be better? But it was so funny, Trump gave a press conference and all they wanted to do, ask about, you know, your, your CDC guy, Redfield, said, the mask and, and Trump said uh, he misspoke or didn't understand the question and they just kept hammering him, hammering him. You disagree with Redfield? And, they and, love that shit. They love it. Oh, they did. It was just and and did they, you hear you know, it? Yeah. Hey, they they just they're like high school girls, Jerry. They go, did you hear what the CDC director said <laughs> about you? What do you think about that? Huh? Did, you, did, did you see they caught that Caitlin Collins again? That 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 yeah, that, that again. Voice. Talk lecturing about voice. Trump Jesus. or was it McEnany? She was lecturing. Why don't you wear a mask? Why don't they? I mean, they 
Caitlin uh, Collins is the then worst. She, then she took it off as soon as the camera. She yeah. thought the camera was yeah. off. She took her mask off. Was her, I mean, her voice too just does not match the face. She's right. a pretty woman, and then she starts talking, and she sounds like Al Roker. Like you know, like <laughs> if you if you don't know what the Babylon B is, it's a it's a Twitter uh, account that's a parody, and it's funny as hell. It's a right wing Twitter right wing onion. Uh, it's like the onion, but it's funnier and it's more political. And so the Babylon Bee had a tweet where they said that uh, CNN uh, 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 criticized um, the leaders of Bahrain, Israel, and, uh, and UAE and Trump for shaking hands and how that's spreading the virus. And they made a joke out of that CNN was upset that they made this peace agreement, this historic peace agreement, but they didn't socially distance and they touched when they shook hands. The yeah. next day, the next day, CNN literally had, uh, no, it wasn't CNN, was it MSNBC? I don't know. Somebody had literally the same tweet. For real. You know, they for real. I, I mean, you've heard the reports. They were criticizing the event, this historic event where they made peace in the Middle East and uh, you know, uh, Obama couldn't do it, and Clinton couldn't do it, and Bush couldn't do it. Trump did it, and the takeaway from all of them—CNN, NBC, MSNBC, New York Times—was they didn't socially distance. I, I and they asked Trump about it, and he says everyone there got tested like that day. Yeah. We weren't positive; no one had it. Not good enough. They wanted them to be masked up and you know touching elbows when they signed this agreement. Brother, <laughs> it, can it, I? I, I have to go back to remote learning, but did you see the story that came out this morning? I was going to do this. I got this story two days ago. I didn't never wrote about it because I couldn't confirm. Out of Taunton, have you seen this? What happened in, um, during a Zoom session of an elementary, I think it's a second grade class, during one of the breaks, a brother of one of the students discovered himself in the room in front of the camera for five to eight minutes and the teacher could not take it down. So all of these little kids witnessed this. How old was the kid? He had to be puberty. I was probably like 11. 11. And he was discovering himself (laughs) on camera and all of the second graders had to watch it happen. This happened at Galligan Elementary School in Taunton. Well, finally, finally they learned something. That's good. (laughs) Oh, that's a remote learning. You'll never forget. So do you think you're going to get the video? I, I, well, first of all, I won't be reproducing it. I don't work for Netflix, Jerry. So <laughs> can, I've seen how you blur out the faces of the yes. children. I think telling the story is effective enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's got to be a million stories like that. Here's what I'd like to know, and I'm a serious question. And you talked about this a lot: is kids who are in abusive households, or I mean, there's got to be millions of kids who whose parents aren't doing what you're doing or what your mother's doing and, and sitting there and helping. And I mean, there must be guys like smacking their kids around during their remote learning. Correct. Oh yeah. I mean, if you look at like uh, data out of Chicopee during uh, the spring, the, I think, first of all, it's along racial and, and special education lines too. Like 35% of sped kids didn't miss uh, significant amounts of zoom calls and I want to say like 30% of, you know, Latino kids missed Zoom calls and like 2% of white kids did. So the fact of the matter is that uh, the, the achievement gap here is growing between black and white kids. This is the exact opposite of what liberals are supposed to want. They're supposed to want the achievement gap to decrease. Instead, it's increasing. The special ed is a great uh, question. I talked to a guy whose daughter, uh, yesterday's daughter is autistic. 
and he said they have in-class learning, but his daughter can't go because she won't won't keep the mask on. And I said, she can't go to school? No. If we put the mask on, she just takes it off. And they said, she can't be here. You've got to take her home. I forget, she, 12 or 13, I'm saying, a 12 or 13 autistic kid can't go to school. That is disastrous for that family. That must be brutal. I mean, and they can't uh, learn. They can't grow. And they certainly can't sit on a zoom call. I mean, it just, it's cruel. These people are cruel. You are right. They're cruel. They don't care about the poor kids. They don't care about the special ed kids. They don't care about the minority kids. They care about one thing, one day, November 3rd. After that, who cares about masks? No big deal. How long were you a teacher? How long were you? I was a teacher for 11 years. 11 years. You were a history teacher. That's correct. And you said you liked it. You think you were good at it? I loved it. Oh, I was very good at my class. Do you think, and what, how old were the kids? What grade? They were 11th grade. 11, so they were juniors in high school. Yeah, yeah. How many of them, if you were to ask your students right now, like obviously they're they're older now, but we, occasionally you uh, you blog about some. I mean, one of them went on like a tri-state killing spree recently, correct? Yes, yes. Sometimes yes. the alumni newsletter. All right. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, what you taught them doesn't quite stick and they go bad, but – there was a survey done by this uh, this group. It's a, a Jewish uh, group, a charity, and they did a survey recently, which is just the most disturbing. I, I realize public schools, you know, they're busy teaching critical race theory and teaching kids, you know, to uh, that there are fifty seven genders and boys can have babies and girls have penises and every other wacky thing. But they do this survey about perhaps the most important, most significant era in the last 100, 100 years uh, to change the world. And, it, and it's, there's been a million movies and books about the Holocaust, right? Mm-hmm. 18 to 39-year-olds in all 50 states. So it is a big survey. Um, two-thirds of them, two thirds of the, and I'll get the number of the exact number of people uh, surveyed. Two thirds of them did not know that 6 million Jews died in the Holocaust. How many do they think that? Uh, hold on. This is, this is, that's not the, the most, uh, I'm going to get the co- actual copy of the uh, results of the survey here. Let's listen to Iran public radio or something. Well, well what's the difference in Iran public radio and uh, uh, American public radio? NP, uh, NPR, uh, it goes state by state, uh, and it goes through the, which states have the worst knowledge of uh, worst scores: Alaska, Delaware, Maryland, New York, Georgia, Hawaii, Louisiana. The t- states with the highest scores, the most knowledge. I have to give you credit, Turtle Boy. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Maine, Kansas, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, Idaho, Montana have the highest scores. But check this out. That's bad enough. Two-thirds did not know $6 million. One quarter of the students surveyed, or the adults now, did not believe the Holocaust happened. And here's my favorite one. 12% never heard of the Holocaust, did not know what it was. Didn't know what it was. They must have been, uh, they must subscribe to Louis Farrakhan's YouTube channel or something. It's it's like a wet dream for them. It's almost all of the ones who never heard of it went to Boston University, which is amazing. And we're in the class with uh, Reamer and AOC. Twenty, It goes state by state. 
New York, 20% of New Yorkers uh, think Jews were responsible for the Holocaust. <laughs> so they did it to themselves? <laughs> yes. Tricky. Maybe, maybe they're, you're right, Farrakhan-like, and they think that it's made up or it's, I mean, and to me, it is, not only is it the most significant event of the last hundred, it was the most interesting. When you think of school and, and history, yeah. as a I history mean, teacher, you must have felt like you were getting their attention, their full attention when you, uh, when you yeah, taught Yeah, but them. even before they got to me in 11th grade, they, they read the diary of Anne Frank in middle right. school. Like the Holocaust is, everybody, I, I, that's a weird stat. I feel like I never had a kid in class ever that didn't know what the Holocaust was or knew, I mean, the 6 million number kind of stands out. A lot of kids remember that. So I don't know who, what kind of moron kids they're talking to, but I feel like every kid that graduated from my class, they know they're, they're familiar. 48% could not name a single uh, um, concentration camp. That's no surprise. Mm, they're a little difficult to pronounce though. Let's be fair. Uh, Wald, they, I don't know if you to pronounce it correctly, but uh, it is, do you think yours, if, if you were to poll these students, the 18 to 39 year olds, and there'd be a lot of them that had, you had turtle boy. Did they call you Mr. Turtle boy? Uh, no, they did not. But you maybe know, they should. Think if they asked you, I mean, if we asked them, they would know all these basic uh, facts. This is yeah, oh, they would know a lot more than that. My kids, Jerry, Jerry, you understand? I took, I was competitive, like test scores. Like I wanted to beat the other two junior teachers, and we did year after year after year. Really, on the standardized test. We did they hate you? The other, the other teachers hate you. Oh, they hate me because I always got to the end too. I didn't miss days of school. Like I, I wanted to get to like nine eleven and like current times. They never got past the civil uh -huh. rights. Jerry, my kids knew all about the Iran hostage crisis. You name it. I'll bet you, if you did this poll, they would know less about 9/11 than they do about the Holocaust. They would know. They'd be whatever. Twenty percent would say, "Yeah, it was an inside job" or some shit like that, or say, "You know, Israel was responsible." I think this is the product of you know conspiracy theories and you know Farrakhan types, and you know it's 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 this uh, uh, not deni Holocaust denial, but they just don't want to emphasize it. You know, it's just this unfortunate time in Germany, a little, uh, you know, era back way back when that doesn't really matter. I, I just mind boggling. Plus think of all the movies that have covered it and covered the. Uh, uh, yeah. They watch boy in the striped pajamas. Like you learn about it in English class too. You, I read night uh, by Elie Wiesel in seventh grade. And I think a lot of kids do that now. They, they read the diet, you know, the diary of Anne Frank. So I don't know what morons this survey was talking to, but every kid I had was pretty familiar with the Holocaust. It's I, I, Night is one of the only books that I've read more than once. And I recommend it to everybody. It's 120 pages. It's Elie Wiesel as a kid. And it's so, um, it's so disturbing and it's so good. Um, but you, um, and, and is that a school book night? Do you like students read that? Because it's, oh, yeah. not, it's not a hard book to read. I read, I read it in the seventh grade. Was seventh grade. That's, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's not as scary as the virus, but it is pretty scary for a kid. Yeah. No, no, no. Kids should be much more scared of coronavirus than they should have. <laughs> um, the, uh, I took my kids to the boy in striped pajamas at the cinema when uh, they were young, and I didn't tell them uh, the, all the details, and they mm -hmm. thought it I mean, I told them it was about World War II or whatever, and my they, my son is so mad at me because at the end he says that. And if you haven't seen it, the boy in striped pajamas is about a, a death camp. It's a, uh, about a 
concentration camp. The kid and the, on the inside makes friends with the kid on the outside. Kid, and the kid on the outside is the child of the guy, the officer, the German officer who oversees the camp. And they become friends through the fence. And he thinks it's cool that he has striped pajamas. That's what, it, and eventually the kid on the outside, the, the German officer's son, you know, sneaks in to play with the kid inside, the Jewish kid. And at that, on that day, they happen to round up all the kids and put them in the, in the gas chamber. So the leader of the, the, the German officer in charge of the camp gassed his own son, if you haven't seen it. And it's, you know, it's a good, funny, happy family. Funny. Movie, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> and they were mad at me. My son was, I can't believe you made He was only a kid. It was 10 or something. I said, it's good. It's, 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 you know, historical. I, I think it's a very good, dis- it's supposed to be disturbing. It's about the Holocaust. Right. Every, I mean, if you're not disturbing kids with history, then you're not teaching it the right way. Like history, sh- slavery, people are always saying that we shouldn't show this ugly side of like that Lincoln statue with where the, the slave is on the ground and Lincoln's above him. Like that's demeaning. It should be demeaning. Like you, this should shock you to the core. If, if slavery does not shock you to the core, then it's not being taught appropriately. Right. If it You're a, a Disney version of it. I remember being a kid watching Roots and staying in bed awake at night saying, did that really happen? I mean, it was just so disturbing. You're right. It is shocking and it should be shocking. It should be, it should keep you up at night. Uh, I, I, I've talked about this briefly. In fact, we tried to get him on when this podcast started earlier, uh, the start of the year. Uh, have you read Stephen Ross's book? Stephen Ross is a Holocaust survivor. His son was a Boston uh, city councilor, Michael Ross, a big moon bat, but an amazing story. I didn't even know it existed, uh, this book, um, which was just incredible. It's better. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like night, but it's, it's even better. It's uh, because it's, it goes back and forth. He's a kid in uh, Germany and Poland going through the con- surviving concentration camp. He survived Auschwitz, I believe, and Dachau, I believe he was in both. And it just, you know, goes through the horror of growing up and, and, and you know, being rounded up and, and all that. He started the Holocaust Memorial in Boston. He died recently. When they only died in February, end of February. Uh, but it's just this amazing life. And he comes home to Boston. He becomes a truant officer and kind of a social worker. And he alternates between being an old guy in Boston, helping young kids out and going back to Germany and uh, Poland and going back to his experiences in, um, in, uh, uh, as a kid, which are horrific. They're just like L.A. Wiesel's, you know, his whole family dies. It's a great book and a very underrated book. And I don't know why, and I'm trying to get the exact title of it because I've been telling people to read it. Uh, That's I don't, broken gla- from broken glass, right? From broken glass starts yeah. with the, uh, crystal knock and the, you know, the first, the night of broken glass and goes from there and talks about just how they terrorized towns and took everything from everyone. And, you know, when the first, the Nazis first come into his town, this, they tell everyone to get outside, bring their money and bring their jewelry. And some old lady in the top floor of a house resists and they throw out the window. That's the first time they realize this stuff is real. Yeah. But I'm I mean, not sure if you can get from broken glass at uh, every bookstore or whatever, but find it, read it. It's a great read, and it's one of those books where I'm kicking myself saying, why don't I know about this? Why don't I know this guy's story? Uh, why didn't I know this guy's story? And when we started this, we were trying to get him on. He was very old, obviously. He he, uh, he was, let's see, he was, I don't know, 90, 89, 90 when he died. 
But the, if you haven't seen the Holocaust Memorial in Boston by Faneuil Hall, it's pretty good too, man. It's pretty intense oh, it's experience. Intense. You know what's not taught enough about the Holocaust, Jerry? And I always make a point that during when I, when I taught World War II is uh, resistance movements within the countries. You never hear about them. You you know you hear that France was passive and they were, and all these countries were passive. But every country that Hitler took over, including like you know the 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 uh, the Warsaw Ghetto, there was an uprising. There was oh, uprisings yeah. within uh, certain concentration camps. They didn't go anywhere, but they tried. But within France and all these other countries, like. They worked with the allies, like the people in these countries, they use radios, they they sabotage, they blew shit up all day. They blew up railroads. They were an important part of winning the war and you never hear about them. And these are the Literally. real heroes like that. And I'm like thinking about that, the, the dangers that they went through. And then I think about coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes back to that. And like, I, or you think about the people who hate this country and, you know, think it's or compare Trump to Hitler and compare, uh, you know, the, the, the camps on the border where they, get the people coming over, the illegal aliens, and they put them, you know, put them in cages. Concentration and, camps. And compare those to concentration camps. Uh, I'm not sure if AOC is aware of that, but, you know, in Germany, people were trying to get out. In the U.S., people are trying to get in. That's a big difference. I don't know if she's fully aware of that, but it is sickening when you read a book like From Broken Glass or Night or see a movie uh, like, you know, The Boy in Striped Pajamas or Schindler's List and – and you think of people comparing that to this. It's just sickening. People are sick. These, these people who hate America and want to, you know, these BLM protesters, they're, they're these Antifa scum. They're just sick. They're ill-informed, stupid, dishonest, disgusting people who really should go to a history class or, or must have skipped history class. Or maybe they had a bad teacher, Turtle Boy, not me, who, didn't, not me. No. who didn't instill this, 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 this value, this uh, appreciation for this country in their, in their students. You know what? Probably the, the problem is your colleagues, your former colleagues, they're the ones teaching this. That's why there are, that's why 20% of New York people think the Jews are responsible for the Holocaust. It's the English what, department. Don't blame the history department. I don't know what the follow-up question of that is like, how'd they do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who's lying? I mean, this is literally like an anti-Semite wet dream, what is happening right now. If people, like Ilan Omar is like, checkmate. Got no, and, and I say this all the time to Reamer. Um, how can you be Jewish and be a Democrat right now when you know Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Bernie Sanders, these just these real anti-Semites? They're not really Jews. Like a lot of these people, they, they don't go to temple. They don't go to synagogue. You know, they're not, they're into it for you know, this, the being called, like I get a minority status. I'm a Jew. Like it's like, I'm a, I have a check mark next to my name. Now I have something to talk about me besides just being a basic white person, but they don't actually practice Judaism. Well, I know, but they, they, they do know that you, that these people hate you. Like Rashida Tlaib, she doesn't like Jewish people. We know that, right? We know Elon Omar. Some people did something. Yeah. Not a fan. Uh, they, you know, they, they should understand that the last president, the one they voted for twice, the one Turtle Boy voted for, had a real problem with Israel. He always sided with their Muslim adversary. Every single this, president in America history has since the creation of Israel. This president is the first one that is unapologetically supportive of Israel. And if that's important to you, you should acknowledge it. Because the next, if Biden's the next president, and I'm really not sure... How that's More than anything, work. though, with, with Trump, it's like he with Israel, 
he doesn't just pump them with weapons. Like that's all we've done with American history of Israel. Just give them as many weapons as possible and money. And make sure they don't get blown up. Right. Trump's right. big concern with Israel is making sure that they have like individual peace with one country after another. If he gets a peace deal with Saudi Arabia and Israel, it should be the biggest foreign policy story this century. Well, it and, depends. You no, know, it won't. <laughs> it depends when they come to that agreement. Will they shake hands or will they socially distance? Will they wear masks? Oh, it's, yes, yes. I mean, uh, can you believe that? Like, they're masks, they're from the Middle East, and you're worried about masks. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The, and and they just got tested two minutes ago. You know, as soon as they walked in the White House, they got the instant test. I know Christine Brennan's not happy about that because not everyone gets that instant test, just the president. But everybody at that siding, everybody who was sitting in the front row had just been tested. They don't care. It's just a way to a weapon to use against Trump. And Trump's promising. What did he promise? Five or six more countries are going to come on board and make an, uh, come to a peace agreement with Israel. Yeah, something and like you're that. right. If it's Saudi Arabia and it's, I don't know, October, whatever, 31st, a couple of days before the election, you will see the greatest suppression of news you've ever seen. I mean, this is close. This was close. I mentioned this yesterday. I was on the Globe's website there. Uh, I didn't you know, log in anything, but I'm on the front page of their website. There had to be 50 stories either written up or teased. There was no mention of this historic peace, peace agreement. They're, they are... Again, their job is to cover the news with a pillow until it stops moving. They are there to suppress the news, to stop Trump. That's all. That's their job. They must be having, having meetings in the morning. I heard, I heard Bill O'Reilly talking about this. Bill O'Reilly's on the, on the first and he's occasion, he's doing a book tour and he's, you know, trying to remain relevant and God bless him. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't think we'll have him on this podcast, but I, I, you know, he is. It's interesting. Listen to a, a desperate Bill O'Reilly, and he was talking about meetings that every network has in the morning, and they have these eight a.m. meetings on what they're going to do all day. And he says there are directives at all these ABC, CNN, and and they don't write it down, they don't email it because they're afraid it'll get leaked. They literally say, "Here's what we're going to do: we are not covering this peace agreement. We are going to go after him because of masks and whatever." <laughs> And, and they tell their staff, they tell each producer or whatever, director, that this is what they're going to do all day, and they do it. And it's pretty apparent. They use the same language. Have you ever heard, seen one of these compilations where everyone on the network says, like, uh, reimagining police? Or, oh, We're yes, going to reimagine. They use the same term. They get, there's, a, there's an email, Jerry. We got to get on that email chain. How do you get on that? According to O'Reilly, you, you won't see it on email because they're afraid it'll get leaked to whatever, the New York Post. Is there, a group, places. Is there a group text? It'll get leaked. There's a lot of stuff leaked as we see. Um, but probably, uh, it's probably it is, that New York Times Slack channel. They're probably just all there. That's true. They, we yeah. learned that from Barry Weiss. So Barry Weiss, whatever her name is, that this is you know, it's gotta be Discord, I'm thinking. Uh, why, well, that's your job. Why don't you yeah. get a hold of it? It's gotta be somewhere where they just, you know, in 28, two years ago, was, the, the word of the day was credible because this is Christine Blasey Ford season. Correct. And, uh, credible was the new word of the day. Uh, now it's uh, credibly so, accused. He was credibly, credibly accused. accused. Yeah, that was uh, their way of having no evidence. Just we'll just call uh, it. Uh, let's talk about Shay. Did you know that Shay Concrete has been offering technical engineering seminars for professional development credit at their Amesbury headquarters since January? of 2018. Well, now these continuing education opportunities are brought to the industry virtually through the Precast podcast. The Precast podcast is the best podcast in the Precast industry. 
probably because it's the only one, but it's good. Although nothing could take the place of in-person training, the virtual educational offerings through the Precast podcast are a close second. Shake Concrete Products is committed to supporting two educational-based podcast episodes per month at no cost to attendees. Multiple credit hours can be earned. Are you a septic or wastewater professional in Massachusetts or New Hampshire? Contractors, installers, engineers, or job site inspectors who need to earn professional CECs to keep up their certification or their license should check out Shay's Precast Podcast Technical Engineering Seminars. The Precast Podcast is not all technical. Listen and find out more about the company's processes, products, employees, and so on. There's even an episode featuring me. I think that's the, the most downloaded one. I'm not going to brag or anything. Shea Concrete Products is not only the lead supplier in the precast concrete industry, they also deliver a robust technical education platform. With over 70 years of experience in operation as a family-owned and operated business, Shea has become New England's premier precaster. Whether there's sun, rain, or snow, Shea Concrete Products is always on the go, and they will drive the extra mile to be your trusted precast concrete products partner in New England and beyond. Check them out at shakeconcrete.com. I know you're a big history buff and in the current events buff am I, news junkie. I can't wait for the next – I mean, it's it's 48 days or whatever to the election. This is a lock. You know it and I know it. In, in sometime in the next 48 days – there's going to be a vaccine. I don't care if it's if it looks like if it looks like a, a, a package of sweet tarts that Trump breaks out at a press conference. He's gonna there's gonna be something that he's gonna come up with and say, "Boom! This is the vaccine. It's been proven. It's been uh, tested. It works." And the media is is gonna freak out like it's gonna be some kind of parody. They're all gonna before they even hear any details or any corroboration from any medical, they're going to say it's, it's, it's uh, junk science. Yeah, and they're gonna have to, like, they're, that's going to be their, their, their mission. They, they're going to find out that whoever the doctor is, God bless whoever the doctor is that first announces the vaccine. They are going to have their lives scrutinized, ripped apart. They're going to find something you tweeted in 2001. They're going to bring that up. They are going to do everything in their power to discredit you if you even attempt to put a vaccine out before Election Day. You, it's, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. We've ever seen like it. They're, they're going to, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube will ban, censor like never before. They don't, uh, it, it, the incredible thing with the big tech censorship and you are, uh, you know, you're aware of this more than anybody. I invented um, big tech censorship. Is they used to be, you know, subtle. They used to be mm, careful. They don't um, care anymore. I mean, I heard somebody talking about Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey made his billions, and now he's all about, uh, you know, obviously getting Biden elected, but about changing the di- uh, affecting the dialogue, the the discourse, and and he doesn't care. If he has to ban like that Chinese uh, virologist. If you listen to the, the the Joe Rogan podcast with Jack Dorsey and this idiot and woman Tim, that he has running the Tim show. Poole, that's the one where Tim Pool was doing all the yes, questions. Yes, it was yeah. great. One of the best episodes I've ever seen. Uh, you know, they literally say in there, we're trying to improve the conversation. Right. Like that's so Orwellian that we, we'll decide what an improved conversation looks like, not you peons. It, it, and and uh, Tucker did this last night with this Chinese virologist and with these other doctors earlier in the summer, including that guy in California, doctor, well-respected doctor who doesn't believe in masks. 
you can't find that video. I mean, YouTube took it down. <laughs> Twitter censored him. They just, if they disagree with the CDC, who's been wrong about a lot of things, it doesn't matter how credentialed they are, how, how smart and experienced they are. They could have a million degrees from, you know, every Ivy League school. They get taken down if they disagree with, uh, I shouldn't say the CDC, if they disagree with Jack Dorsey or they disagree with Mark Zuckerberg. They get taken down. And that will be, we'll, we've never seen anything like it. In the next 48 days, there will be a vaccine. I'm not saying it will be ready to be mass distributed and save everyone's life, but you know, Trump, you know, he's not going to, He's not going to wait, man. He's going to go. If they come uh, out with a vaccine, I don't know if there'll be an, a bigger e- economic boom. Like, think of how much the stock market's going to skyrocket the day a vaccine comes out. I'm not a trader. Okay. I assume it'll go up. Okay, then we have the media and the Democrats rooting for the virus, against the vaccine, against the uh, economy, against the stock market. That's the picture he has to paint. If you're Trump, if you're a Trumpkin, if you're uh, a surrogate, you have to say, they're rooting for the virus. We're rooting for the vaccine. That's indisputable. Christine Brennan speaks for many, many people when she's sitting at home right now saying, please let there be an outbreak in every Big Ten locker room. Let every team have you know, 50 guys test positive. Let there be games canceled. That's what she wants. That's what everybody on her side wants. That's what everybody on ESPN wants, I think. They want the virus to win, the vaccine to wait. They want, uh, they want, you know, Trump to go down, and then everything will be back to normal. It is so transparent. I think everybody at this point, everybody soon enough, will understand that this is all a big game. There's, there's, there's nothing on the level. Masks, vaccine, nothing's on the level right now. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I still to this day, I, I still don't know, Jerry, whether or not they actually believe it or whether or not they're just doing this to be Trump because they see. They seem to believe it. Like some of these people really, really, really seem to believe the Karens, the people calling. Yeah, like the videos that you you post, yeah. these people screaming and going nuts. Yeah, they seem uh, to really believe it. I don't think it's fake with those people. The, the mask thing, I uh, I guess, I guess. But do they believe I that? I just, I just, I can't help but laugh when I go to the grocery store and I see, you know, we're all wearing masks. And I'm just looking at it. It's like, how stupid are we to think that like the sense of security we've created for ourselves, like we're good now. We're good. We're good. We got this thing on our face. I, I went walking down. I went walking down the sidewalk in Boston yesterday, and my mask was on my neck. You know, one of those gaiters that and I didn't have it. And the number of people, the number of people. First of all, everybody's masked up. You know, two months ago it was rare, or you know, maybe some people did, some didn't. Now everybody, including three and four year old children, I'm expecting to see dogs masked up soon, and they will turn away if you don't have your mask up over your mouth and nose. And I walked out, and they like, and they turn away like it's going to save them. <laughs> oh, thank God, thank God, I turned away at the last minute. I've been, I've been yeah. running without a mask. Obviously, I'm not an idiot. And people will see you coming without a mask, and they will like move to the other side of the street or the sidewalk, or they will look the other way, like, uh oh, it comes one of those killer uh, maskless monsters. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. We got 48 days or whatever it is. It's going to get crazier. Uh, and I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in a month. The end of October, how nuts people are going to be going, how how hard they're going to be fighting for the virus and against Trump and vice versa for the vaccine and against Biden. I can't imagine how much more incoherent Biden is going to get. 
Yeah. And the other thing about the schools that actually are returning, Jerry, you got to keep an eye on this. And I've, and I've, I don't know if you saw the blog I did the other day on uh, St. Mary's and Lynn, a kid taped his teacher, just brainwashing the kids with black lives matter propaganda. That's the other thing you got to watch out for when schools do come back Right. and watch what your kids, are say, their, their teachers are saying on zoom, watch them. Cause it's become so mainstreamed now that now they feel like, Oh, I can push this propaganda without it sounding like propaganda. Watch out for that stuff. And, and, you know, you've seen it taped. I mean, hell, schools have like Black Lives Matter flags and banners and posters. That's what I mean. It's mainstream. And, so you got to watch out. So you're never going to get the truth from a teacher about Black Lives. They're not going to teach the history teachers aren't going to teach you the history of Black Lives Matter. They're not going to show you the three founders who claim to be trained Marxist. They're not going to play for you the sound when the founder of Black Lives Matter says their goal is to end capitalism. <laughs> yeah keep I think people are going on their website in class like let's go to the black lives matter website and <laughs> let's check out their about yeah. section let's let let's see <laughs> what their agenda about us let's see what yeah, it about says us. About, you know By the way, it's somewhere it's, it's somewhere along the line the, the uh did you see this tweet overnight i didn't notice it till now because jason whitlock just retweeted it. you see mookie Betts. this is the first yeah. i've seen of this in sports okay. which he, he says, I'm angered and disappointed by the ambush of two L.A. deputies in Compton. My prayers are with both deputies. Hashtag justice for all. So, you know, I've, I haven't seen anybody come out, especially in the sports world, to, to even address well, that. But I'll give him credit because he is definitely yeah. a BLM guy. You can believe what you believe there and also support not shooting cops. It doesn't seem like much. It seems yeah. like kind of a – but it is more than LeBron James has done. LeBron James, as far as I know, and I'm looking for it, has not responded to the sheriff, uh, Villanueva, Alex Villanueva, uh, whatever his name is, Villanueva, uh, sheriff in L.A. County who s challenged him to double the reward. Now – I don't expect LeBron will do that. His hero, Kaepernick, would be very disappointed if LeBron takes the cop side in anything. But he looks kind of cowardly not responding at all, doesn't he? Yeah. Do you think he cares, Jerry? I mean, peak LeBron cowardly. That's stuff he doesn't care about. He's the guy who dropped out of the NBA Finals because he had cramps, Jerry. You think he cared about cowardice? In, in October, he literally bent the knee to the red Chinese. Not just bent the knee to the red Chinese, like – said that Daryl Morey should keep his mouth shut for saying right. free Hong Kong because he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not educated like LeBron. He hasn't read the first page of every book. <laughs> but but the, think about how easy would it be to say thoughts and prayers, some hollow gesture to the uh, deputies who were shot. By the way, great news this morning. One of the deputies, the guy, the 24-year-old man, has been released from the hospital. The woman who was shot in the jaw, Claudia Alapanar, was shot in the jaw. She's still in the hospital in intensive care. The guy who got shot in the forehead is out of the hospital and home and recovering. Is that not the worst assassin you've ever seen? The guy, yeah, it was point blank. He had they point did blank in the head, and and the guy he shoots in the forehead. He gets shot in the forehead. It must have just skimmed the edge because he was bleeding a lot. But he's out of the, got a couple stitches. Gangster. Gangster. <laughs> like he's got Steve Scalise status right now. <laughs> And he's Which, still, by the way, under, undertold story that Steve Kalise is just chilling now, walking around, doing his thing. He just got shot three years ago by a Bernie bro that right. was radicalized by Bernie. And we Bernie don't talk bro, about that. Bernie, Bernie bro had a fully loaded AR-15 and a whole field for Republicans. Death toll zero. I shouldn't say that. Death toll one. Him, the Bernie bro, you know? Yeah. So I'm getting a text right now, Jerry, from my mother. 
telling me that they can't get the video up. So they, they're having trouble. So I got to go up there soon, not to end this short. Oh, but this is another example of remote learning. Okay, I will let you go. Uh, go do your remote teach remote learning. I get you. Uh, get your five year old. We what? got three hundred thirty people on here, right now. That, that's double. No, that's over four times Reamer's ratings. I'd like to point that out right now. <laughs> You're amazing, but you do look a little stressed out. Colonnade said at the beginning, you look a little. Oh, it's it's worn out. anger. I've been there before. Not- Actually, I've been there often. It's when you're you're so angry that you end up just giving into it, and you're a broken man. And I, I see it on you. I feel it. And hopefully, yeah, you, are, you, you look a little broken by this remote learning thing. Yeah. Monica uh, Cannon Grant couldn't break me. All these people couldn't break me. Remote learning might be the straw. Jerry. Remote it's learning. Is it's the so. End. By the way, it's so stupid. Like we use this video service every show that we do. This is all just through the like the regular internet. These people have to download software for their kids to use on a computer. It, even though that sounds stupid, you're always going to run into software problems when you have to download things. Make it as easy as humanly possible on people, especially when you're involving grandparents who might have to come over because there's two working parents or something. It's insane. Uh, I can't imagine the toll it takes so, right, on people who have to work. I mean, at least you can work at home, Turtle Boy. What if you have to go somewhere? You got to go work. What do you do with your five, your six, your eight-year-old? What do you do? Quit your job. It literally, I know people who have quit their jobs for this. Like, well, that's good. Again, the Democrats, they don't want you know the unemployment rate to go down. They don't want the economy to recover. They, you know, It'll all change on November 4th, but the hell with the children. This will affect kids forever in some cases, I think. Some kids are desperately need school. They desperately need interaction with other kids and with teachers. But the teachers union could give a damn. The hell with the children. The hell with the children. They are rooting for the virus. I'm looking for that Mookie Betts tweet. Can you read it to me again? I'll yeah. let Turtle Boy go. Yeah, you can get out I'll of there. Let you go right. back to remote uh, babysitting. Uh, you can All check right, out Turtle Boy at tbdailynews.com for his latest blog. You want to read about this stuff we're talking about, about these, these, these in, this insane lockdown. And Oh, by the way, I got the numbers this morning. From Stuart Varney, the latest number is 97,000 American businesses have gone under. 97,000. He said, you know, mostly mostly restaurants and uh, bars and gyms. Almost, we're almost, you know, we're all obsessed with the the 200,000 mark in deaths, which probably is more accurately like 10,000 deaths that have actually died from the coronavirus. 200,000 died with the coronavirus, much different. Most of them were elderly, frail, and not going to live much longer anyway, but that's beside the point. 200,000 have died. 97,000 businesses have gone under, not because of the virus, because of the lockdowns, because of the insanity, the overreaction from our governors, mayors, local officials, they have killed off almost 100,000 businesses. I wonder when they accumulated that data, because I, do, I feel like the last two weeks have been that kind of breaking point. Like yes, people fought their fucking ass off. And now it's reaching that point where they're just saying we can't do it anymore. And I, I'd be shocked if that's even added in at this point. Like it's, it's I, I would too. Yeah, absolutely right. And I told you this is uh, personal now because a gym that I belong to for years that my wife worked at for years is, is going under. And I'm going to talk about that in detail. That is all 100% the fault of the governor. He put this family business that has been in business for 30 years, put it out of business and doesn't give a damn. That is the, that is a fact the, the governor could give a shit about the 
I mean, imagine owning like I, I look at this stuff, right? And, and it's all going on. And I see like, oh, legal seafoods will never close down. Like they'll be fine. Like legal seafoods has to close their location, their prime location in the city of Boston. They can't make it work. How the hell are you expecting the local guy in, you know, Hudson, Massachusetts to pull that off? When you give him uh, the 25%, you go, yeah. and that's just a tease. That doesn't help him. That doesn't save his business. And it, and it's one thing to do this if you thought you had to do it. They know you don't have to do it. They know lockdowns don't work. They just get off on the power and they don't care. You've seen it. I saw that restaurant guy uh, confront Baker a couple weeks ago and Baker just back of the hand does not care. It is sickening. It is disturbing. And it's, and I realize, you know, we're this lone voice. There aren't enough people screaming about it. Maybe, a few people on the radio and a few bloggers, but you know the Globe does not care. the The TV stations they don't care. They're all Marty. The- Marty Walsh cares. We can eat outdoors this year in a blizzard if we want to. Right, right. Uh, eat outdoors in December. Yes, uh, but you can't go inside. I can't imagine having your whole life wrapped up in a small business and hearing and dealing with the callousness, the utter cruelty of these officials who could give a damn. They know. They know it's not about public safety. They know it's about control, and they do not care. I'm going to have details about some other businesses soon, and I'm going to I'm going to go off because this friggin' governor is just a tyrant and a and, and just a cold, callous, cruel man who has you know his his mansion in the suburbs and his driver and his you know salary and pension and doesn't affect him at all. In fact, he loves it. He has a all the attention, all the focus on him. And he just says, sorry, bub, you lose your restaurant, you lose your gym, too bad. The virus, the virus. And yeah, I don't know if that all changes in, on November 4th or not, because I, 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 I'm looking at the way these governors, I mean, uh, the Connecticut governor, Ned Lamont, was confronted by a heckler yesterday. It was beautiful. And the That's guy right. was just heckling the crap out of him. I encourage that. Hecklers should chase these governors, Cuomo, Murphy, Lamont, uh, Whitmer, Baker, chase these tyrants around, make them miserable, make them understand what they've done to their states, what they've done to their citizens. It is so, so disturbing. But I've gone on long enough. I've gone on long enough. Um, uh, I will give credit to Mookie Betts. At least he tweeted, acknowledged these two deputies who were savagely attacked. I, I'm still waiting for LeBron. Everyone's still waiting for LeBron to chime in with some hollow thoughts and prayers. I'm not well, sure. Well, I mean, in fairness, where you know Laura Ingram's getting what she wants, he's keeping his mouth shut and he's just playing basketball. That's, well, saying you know, on my best, my condolences or anything. That's not ask. That's not being no, political. It's, it's just say. I mean, he lives in L.A. You'd think he'd say thoughts and prayers just to get this people off his back, even though it doesn't mean it. Uh, and uh, I don't expect them to double the the reward, even though that would be you know easy for him to do. But just say, great to hear that one of the deputies is out of the hospital. Best of luck to the other one, the real hero, the woman, Claudia, uh, who should be honored by the NFL this weekend. Probably won't be, but should be. Uh, I would love to see that happen. You got nothing from LeBron. You got a little something from uh, from Mookie Betts. That's a good thing. It's been a tough week. For the woke media, you know, LeBron was embarrassed by Candace Owen. Uh, the the uh, NFL ratings, opening weekend ratings are down. The NBA ratings are in the toilet. They're looking at a possible Miami-Denver finals. That will be historically low ratings. And 
Big Ten football is back. The darkest day in Big Ten. They announced they're actually going to play football games, and the woke media mob can't handle it. That is a wonderful thing. That's a win for Trump. That's a win for football. That's a win for for America. That's a win for the boys of fall. And by the way, you're going to be mad at me for doing this because I can hear it in your voice that you're winding down. I saw your tweet yesterday about all the money going toward Phil Mickelson for the U.S. Open, which is insane that you, that people are doing it. But I think it was Mark Dendero this morning who tweeted, if Phil pulls off the Grand Slam uh, at the career Grand Slam at the U.S. Open, that's a better story than Tiger Woods winning the Masters at age 42. And I completely agree with him on that. So I wouldn't disagree. Crazy if he was 50, yeah. a guy bet $45,000. Yeah. On him to win at 50. And he's been, has he been playing like shit. I think he's been playing like shit. He, he has no shot. I mean, he's yeah. playing great on the senior tour. He dominated his first uh, event on yeah. the senior tour. But that is just pissing away money. And maybe the guy's, you know, loaded and he's made a money gambling. But 45 grand on a guy to win. He wins. What, what's the number he wins? Like 3 million if he, if he wins? Yeah. He's not going to win. No. If he makes the cut, it's a major achievement. He's 50. And you know he's he choked there before. Um, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Tigers, you know, in the mix, and it's it's a it's a major. It's a major at a great course. I'll be watching, but there's no chance Phil wins. It'd be yeah. great if he did. It'd be great theater. I like Phil. Do you see that before and after picture he posted yes, last week? Like, what a fatty! I remember him, fat yeah. Phil. Yeah, didn't know. I, I I forgot that he was that fat. It is kind of amazing how how out of shape he was. And you know what? It worked. He got in shape. He's he's kicking ass and making money on the senior tour. And what's John Daly doing? Fighting cancer, which yeah. is a shock. The guy that that healthy was a cigarette in his mouth all day and a drink in his hand and a bag of M and M's in his in his golf bag. He's battling cancer. But anyway, I am winding down. Anything else, Colin? Ain? No, that's it. Rate, review, subscribe. Do all the good things as we Rate, go into the review, weekend here. Subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Follow uh, the Callahan Podcast on Twitter. If you'd like, and we uh, tweet out the uh, uh, out the podcast as soon as it's ready. Share it with a friend. Thanks to Turtle Boy. Thanks to Colin Ain. Uh, this is the Callahan Podcast. I'm Jerry Callahan, and we will talk to you again real soon. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. I can I go home. The Jerry Callahan Podcast.